It is uh, good, Father, to get away. Lord, for your people, uh, when you made covenant with them and you gave them your law, uh, you instructed them once a week to rest. And then seven times a year, they were to take a week to celebrate and reflect and remember what you had done in their lives. Lord, it is imperative uh, that we get away. Father, it is imperative uh, that we take time to reflect and assess, take time to remember, take time to be thankful. Lord, I pray um, that folks have been able to do that this weekend and that if this is the first time they've ever done something like this, Father, that it is something that you teach them to value for the rest of their lives. Lord, this is not a treat, Lord. You, you, uh, you teach us to do this. And so, Father, I pray that we have done that well this weekend. Lord, would you uh, teach us in this discussion time we have with a little bit of time. Lord, would you open our hearts one more time um, to say what you would have us, uh, that you would say to us. And we pray these things in Christ's name. All right, so um, we have uh, talked a little bit about a theology of a heart, right, of understanding um, who we are, about how we work, about the different factors in our lives that kind of come together uh, to help us struggle. Um, because we're, uh, we've, we've come to the grips that, that we're not very good at this, and so we need uh, to learn. Uh, we've, also, um, we've also talked about... Um, how uh, that our heart is tainted and how that comes to be. All right, and we've also talked about guarding our heart. And so this morning, as we finish, as we uh, leave uh, the time of assessment, uh, that we, um, I want to talk about how our heart becomes clean and how it stays clean. And so today, we're going to, uh, this is going to be pretty practical. And what I would love for you to do as we're talking, that this is a great time for um, for you to uh, kind of ask questions as you have them. Uh, it's going to be fairly simple uh, structure. Uh, some of the things that you have heard before, but mostly we just don't know how to do them and we don't do them. And so that's what I want to talk about as far as how our community uh, and the community that you either have or need to cultivate can help that, uh, how God can, uh, how you need to engage with God uh, differently uh, possibly. So sound good? All right. So how does our heart become clean or stay clean. So first off, I want to uh, make sure that we understand how, heart, how God cleans our heart initially, right? So if you are outside of Christ, you have need of a new heart. So when Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things, who can understand it, right? That's talking about all people, okay? And so, uh, but that feels like us, uh, I would anticipate most of us um, have professed faith in Christ and are seeking uh, at different levels to follow him, however poorly we do that or however well we do that. And so I first want to help us understand what God does for us initially, what his plan is, and then how to differentiate that between, well, if we already have a new heart, but what if it has become hardened, right? What if it has, if it's uh, just really dirty? Um, and so we'll, so we'll touch on this real quick and then get into the meat of what we're talking about. So um, as we come to Christ, there's generally a, uh, a time where God has broken us, right? And this is that point at which uh, the Holy Spirit is at work, right? He is breaking our heart over our sin, over our separation, over our purposelessness, all of those things kind of all at once. Um, and John 16, 8 illustrates what the Holy Spirit's uh, power 
and is effective in. Right, John 16, 8. And when he, uh, speaking of the Holy Spirit, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so as you, uh, if, the, if you've heard a gospel presentation, um, if you've heard that there is a God that loves you, right, there is a God that wants a different life for you, that, there, that the life that you're currently living separates you from him, right, and that you are eternally separated until, right, you uh, come back the way that uh, God has ordained for you to come back, right, and that is through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, right? The thing that you couldn't do for yourself, God has done, and he did it wholly. There's nothing uh, in you of why he did it. He just did it out of his love, and so as you've heard something about that, uh, some way, there's lots of ways to say that, there's lots of um, ways to hear that, but when our heart, right, hears that, right, we respond to it, and what we feel is that I am a sinner, right, that I do things that I, I'm responsible for, right, that's when it talks about sin, that sin is not something that just he tells me I have, but I know that I have it, right, that I do things that God doesn't like, that he did not intend, and that is the thing that separates me. So he, he convicts the world concerning sin. He also convicts the world of righteousness, that I don't have it, but that God does, that Jesus is the righteous one, right? That cleanses me from my sin, that his death can actually pay the price for my sin. And lastly, he uh, convicts of judgment, right? That I will be judged outside of Christ. And so I remember distinctly feeling, I wouldn't put that words to it, but later when I first heard the gospel, Right, that is what the Holy Spirit was active in. I just didn't respond to it. I felt all those things. And yet, the feeling it is not is great, but he, he, the Holy Spirit is doing that work so that you'll respond. And so, but when we respond, it talks about in Ezekiel 36, 26, that I will give you a new heart, that your old heart, that the new heart replaces your old one. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. So what the biblical authors teach us is that when we, come to, when we come to God in repentance and faith, He gives us a new heart, right? It replaces our heart of stone with the heart of flesh, and He gives us a new spirit. And that new spirit is then to guide that new heart, to lead that new heart, to teach that new heart how to live because it doesn't know how. It's like, giving, uh, it's like giving someone uh, like McClendon like a Lamborghini to drive and he doesn't know how to drive it, right? He needs like, hey, he needs a driver to sit here <laughs> and let me teach you how to, how to wield this thing. And so a, a lot of people, I, I would be one of these people, thought that, well, that's great. And then everything is like smooth sailing, right? Well, obviously, our experience tells us that's not how this works. Because all of the way the life lived away from God, right, doesn't know how to handle that new shiny thing. And so it gets dirty almost immediately as well, doesn't it? So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, and this is the last part of this, and we'll jump into what if we're in Christ. It says, therefore, if anyone's an in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. That is another way of saying, hey, new creature, you have a new heart. How are we a new creature? How are we born again? It's this new heart, right? It's this new spirit that causes, that is what Jesus describes in John 3. 
When we have a new heart, we are a new creature. When we have a new heart, we are a new creature. As we've been talking about, that we live from the inside out, okay? Then we are renewed from the inside out. God doesn't need to come in and just repaint our walls, right? He, he, it's renovation. It's not rehab. He needs to knock down walls and shore up the foundation. <laughs> but it's not new construction, is it? <laughs> right? It's renovation. And so there's a lot of work to be done. All the plaster has to come off. All the subflooring. Sometimes we have to pour new footers. Fix the rafters, put on a new roof, right? But we've got to want to do that. And that, what, the, what that new heart is, we come to him outside of ourselves. Father, I don't know what to do. How many of the testimonies was that last night? Father, I, I don't know what I'm doing, right? That is what we need to say. Because when we declare that and mean it, right, then that's when we are going to come to the decision that we need to come to, right? Which is placing my faith and start exercising my trust in the Lord Jesus. Questions or thoughts about that? So that's helpful for us to think through, again, as our, of ourselves, of our friends that are, not, um, that are not Christ followers, of understanding, was well, that something that I have done? Right? Is that something that I understand about my own process of coming um, to follow him? Any questions or thoughts about that? All right. All right, so... So then what does that mean for those that are in Christ? What if we are in Christ? He is active in the healing process. You have a new heart, but as we've talked about, right, that heart gets hardened. Right, that heart gets tangled. But God won't come help you where he's not wanted. And so what is our active role in this? The first thing is it's asking for help. Right, several of you said this, but I think Anna touched on this in, the, in her. She's like, I just got a little snippet for you. David in Psalm 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Psalm 51.10 David is asking for help, isn't he? He says, God, I, I can't create my own clean heart. I need you to help me. I have been the only one active in this process, and then you see what I have done. Father, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. We are asking God to be active in the process that we are engaging in. So it's not like, uh, hey, can you, uh, can you fix me? Because we are, we're the ones driving, right? Because like <laughs> what we do is if that were the case, he fixes us, which is what he does when he give us, gives us a new heart, right? Well, then if we don't know how to maintain that new heart, what happens? What, we, what we're experiencing, David's heart was not clean and his spirit was not steadfast. He recognized that and he reached out for help. Created me a new heart, O God. 
renew a steadfast spirit with me. He called the doctor to come help. He was asking for help. When we ask for help, we are more often in tune with the help being offered. Anybody, have you ever, has anyone tried to help you and you were not ready for help? <laughs> Everybody, mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd that go for the person that was trying to help you? <laughs> it's generally what you did, right? Like you barked and snapped. <laughs> but don't we treat God the same way? Right, testimony after testimony, right, that, we're, that we, we know we need help, right, but we don't know then what next to do. We don't know how to let him help us. So we're going to talk about that real quick. Mark 1, 40 through 41. This is a great verse to meditate on for, uh, as we're looking to clean up our hearts. And a leper came to Jesus. Okay? A leper knows he's dirty. And he knows that, or she knows that there's nothing really that anyone can do for them. They're literally just sitting there rotting away. Isolated and alone. Hmm. Sounds like, that sounds like us sometimes, right? I'm just in my state. There's nothing anybody can do for me. I'm just here kind of suffering. Right? But there's this leper like David, knowing that he needs help and recognizing that maybe God, maybe Jesus can help me. And a leper came to Jesus and beseeching him on his knees, begging him, saying, if you are willing, make me clean. That is the posture that we need. Right? Not suffering in silence. I like the word that uh, Lindell used, that I was complacent in my suffering. Right? We are, aren't we? We suffer in silence. We suffer without telling God. Right? We just kind of are in it. But like the leper, we've got to put our pride aside. Right? Every other leper, like, can you imagine like being a leper and being proud, too proud to ask for help? And yet there's lots of other lepers that are not coming to him. (laughs) This particular leper came to Jesus beseeching him. Jesus, Jesus, like getting his attention. I will not be denied help. If you are willing, make me clean. Are you willing to come and ask, is God willing? You understand the heart posture that that takes? Of course he's willing. (laughs) But we have to come with that heart posture, not assuming that God will help us. Right? That's entitlement. We are not entitled to God's love, but he gives it anyway. If you are willing, make me clean. Moved with compassion, as he will every time Jesus stretched out his hands and touched him and said, I am willing, be clean. Jesus isn't going around, I'm willing, you, you, you good? 
How about you? You good? Right? He needs us to come to him asking for help. We know this is true because God always is there to help and yet we don't want it. <laughs> We're the problem, as we've talked about all weekend. We've got to ask for help. Second step is confession. Confession is agreeing with the person and take responsibility for you, for your heart. And that's your will, your desires. Agreeing with the person is take responsibility that you are wrong. And in our personal relationships, I think a lot of times we think we have to be all the way wrong to confess. Well, I was kind of wrong. <laughs> Agreeing with the person. As you have been wronged, why does this matter? Somebody talked to me. Why does it matter that somebody comes and tells you why they're apologizing or why they're asking forgiveness? Why does that matter to you? Somebody, if somebody's coming, if somebody's wronged you, why is it really important for you that they come and t tell you what they uh, wronged you for? Alex? Like sometimes I think we can apologize just because we don't want the relationship to be hurt, but we don't want to admit that we're wrong. That's right. Um, that, that we, uh, we uh, it makes it so the person knows that you know what you did wrong. Yeah. Right? That we both acknowledge we're on the same page. Yep. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Shows remorse. Shows remorse. Yeah. It's like, no, no good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. The short and the long and short of it is, is you taking responsibility for the thing that you did. Right? Absolutely. So Proverbs 28, 13. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. Proverbs 28, 13. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Several people sit up here before, right? I don't want somebody to know, right, what's going on with me. Why? Because our fear is that we will not find compassion. And our experience says that there are times, Chris said this, where we don't. Find compassion when we share. But with God, we always will. I cannot guarantee that as you confess your sins to one another, which I'll talk about in a second, that you will find compassion every time. I cannot guarantee that. It's what should happen, but I can guarantee that God will give it to you every time. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But also, what does that feel like to, to carry that around when we've wronged people? <laughs> right when we are doing things that we're ashamed of and guilty of. It feels amazing, doesn't it? Man, just like a backpack full of 50 pounds. Just feeling good about just carrying my pack around. Just rucking. 
James wisely tells us in James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. James 5.16. So here's what this looks like. I, cut, I'm, I'm, I have a burden. I've wronged him or I've got some stuff. And I was like, uh, Linda, would you mind if I showed you my 50-pound backpack? I'm going to take it off and I'm going to unzip it. And I'm hoping that he'll find compassion, right? That I'll find compassion for my backpack and all the stuff that's in it. And then what he is going to do, uh, if he loves me, is that he's going to pray for me. He's going to pray for me that I don't put that backpack back on. He's going to pray for me and help me take that stuff out, right? Shake it. Because what I and you naturally do is like, man, that, if we do that, man, that felt amazing. A lot of you did that last night. And there was a huge weight off, right? And then what we're going to do is we're going to go looking for another backpack, and we're going to start putting stuff back in it. Right? And what this looks like is don't let that backpack get overwhelming. You do that. You're going to do that. What you need to recognize is I need to take that backpack off as often as someone will let me. Let me take that stuff out and pray for me that I wouldn't put that stuff back in. That I would take out that stuff willingly. I'm hoping I'm not losing you on the metaphor of the backpack. You with me? Okay, good. So thoughts or questions about that as it relates to confession to one another. So I've talked with some of you in the past couple of weeks. The first confession needs to come to God, right? But often the second confession, right, needs to come to someone, someone trusted. Right? I don't need to go to just some random person, right? I need someone that can come and bear that burden for me, okay? That's not just anybody, generally. But questions or thoughts about that? So a couple other scriptures to write down. 1 John 1, 8 through 10, which I read last night over communion. And then Psalm 32, 1 through 5, which I read last night over communion. So 1 John 1, 8 through 10. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 and Psalm 32, 1 through 5. So um, one last verse as it relates to confession. Hebrews 3, 13. I'm kind of explaining this one. And this kind of fits the, the backpack metaphor. If you want your heart to be healthy, you need to learn. And I am, I'm actually still pretty horrendous at this. Um, but we've got to learn and practice this. This is one of the hardest things that you'll do in your Christian life. But it's the only thing uh, that's going to actually keep you and your heart healthy. It's the only thing. We've got to trust God with our stuff, and we've got to trust one another with our stuff. And you've got to be trustworthy with their stuff. I mean, when you hear confession from somebody, I never like, man, glad I'm not them. When anybody confesses, I immediately go like, dang, I do that. Yep, do that too. Yep, did that yesterday. 
right? It puts me in my place. That is the heart that receives that is like, man, actually, I'm worse than you. You don't know my heart. <laughs> when you find a person that can bear your burdens, that's typically their, uh, their heart reaction because they know deep down how, how easily they sin right? and how much they are in need of a Savior. To that person you will find, they will give you compassion, show you mercy. But Hebrews 3.13, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. When you carry that backpack full of all that weight, our back starts to hurt. And we're tired all the time. And what are we tired from? From bearing that burden. Yeah. This is a question that's really been, I've been really struggling with lately. Um, I tend to not like really be an emotional person when it comes to like repenting of my sins. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if true repentance can come from not being like emotional or does it come from like emotion or like Yeah, do you like, do you need to cry? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> but man, crying feels good. Uh, crying, I think, is a sign of just being overwhelmed. Like our body is just, it, it leak, the overwhelming leaks, leaks out. <laughs> uh, and so uh, often um, as I've you know, cried with a couple of people this weekend, I just try to encourage them to let it out. Like we even stifle that. Like we just need to like grieve. Um, and as Lindell was saying, like he grieved a lot yesterday. That's good. We need to grieve over our sin. We need to feel it. When we don't allow ourselves to feel, I, I'm not a particularly uh, kind of emotional you know, person. What that means is I'm not good at it. That's not good. <laughs> I'm just not good at expressing that emotion. Like I'm stifling, almost like holding a sneeze. I don't know if you do that. It's like, because a sneeze is like, hey, it's trying to get stuff out. Right, and I, you know. <laughs> and so again, there doesn't, our expressing our emotions doesn't need to look like any particular thing, but that, but heart hurt like feels like something. And when we don't allow ourselves to kind of just bear the weight of it, like when we lose somebody, like we, it's, it's sad and, it, and it's okay to be sad. There's a time for everything it says in Ecclesiastes. We've got to learn for us to be okay with all the things that happen to us, Right? When it says that Jesus wept, it's not like, you know, single tear, you know, emotional, like fade away, right? <laughs> that, that God's heart hurt because Lazarus was his friend. You understand? Like, not like friends, like we're his friends, like earthly, like his buddy, right? He missed Lazarus, even though that he could raise him from the dead. Like, you understand that? That's a hard, that's a hard kind of thing to untangle. But Jesus was emotional, just like we're emotional. We don't have to be sad about it. Right? We just need, we need to deal with it. We can be happy. Remember a, a, a person that I did not uh, know would come to Christ. Supernaturally, he, uh, during a youth camp, um, you know, I won't go into the story, but my reaction to that was elation and I started laughing. Like, so it was kind of very solemn. There's a bunch of people kind of standing up at the front just waiting, to, just available to pray as we did the other night. And I'm just like gut laughing. 
but it was out of happiness and joy. I've never had that reaction before, uh, but that was appropriate, I think. I had to explain to everyone else, <laughs> right? But they weren't like, but it was like, what is he doing, you know? And so I had to explain that, the, the, that my heart was, over, was, was overjoyed, and that was my response. <clears throat> but encourage one another day as long as it's called today. So what, what's the imperative there? Should we wait to encourage somebody? No. What does it mean to encourage somebody? Not that their hair is pretty or that their nice outfit. Don't not do that. That's great. Okay. Their hair looks good and you want to tell them and tell them. But when he talks about encouragement or daily, that is to God's life. Right? To encourage them to confess their sin. Encourage them to engage God's word. Encourage them to spend time with the Lord. Encourage them to rest. All of the things that God commands us to do and encourages us to do and teaches us to do, you need to, that's what you need to encourage people with. Because that's the stuff that we're bad at. Amen? Encourage, encourage, encourage. In God's life. Towards God's life. And don't wait. For those of you that have been suffering recently, do you want, if they feel that they, that they could encourage you on Friday, do you want them to wait until Monday to do it? My suffer, I'm fine in my suffering. I'm kind of like, okay, it can wait three or four days. Is that how that feels? I'm sick, but, and there's medicine. I'm, I'll just wait a couple days. We, if we, and that's what it looks like when we withhold encouragement. I don't know about you, but I love encouragement towards God's life. You can encourage me anytime you want to. Free pass. <laughs> and if I need it, I know you need it. Anybody in here not need encouragement right now? All right. Mandate. <laughs> as long as it's called today. So that none of you will be, so the, the issue is it's not like, well, let's try to encourage most of us, right? Like God has this thing, it's called every member ministry. It's not most people or some people or the people that are nice or easy to minister to. We wish that all, that none would perish. We wish that all would be encouraged. And so that's going to take all of us. Because what does that backpack do to us? How does, that, how does that harden us? You ever seen a little middle schooler with their backpack full? You know, we're talking about like you, when you, they move to profile mode, they look like a turtle. Like it's just maxed out. They got one of those L.L. Bean book bags, like deluxe with their name on it. And it, like it is busting out the seams. All right, that's what we look like. How does that harden a little middle schooler? What do they do? Kind of hunch over? Eyes down, just kind of, huh? Bad posture. Bad posture, that's right. How does that harden us? What does that do to you when you just sit there and hold that weight? Eventually you snap. Okay. It's ten times worse than what it should have been. Yep, you snap. What else happens? We isolate ourselves. Because we're just sad about, like, this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Feel like you're in turtle. Love it. It like clouds your mind and like blinds you to like the 
joy like in this life. Why? Because I'm currently in misery, <laughs> holding all this stuff. I can't think about anything else. And what I think about is like how terrible it is. You, get, you begin to think more inwardly and focus more on yourself. Yeah. Hold on. One more and I'll come back. Alex. That's a good, that's a good uh, mental picture, right? Carrying that weight, and I'm just kind of, I don't have the strength to pick myself back up, and that's just where I am. Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. All right, just two more real quick. Repentance. So asking for help, confession to God and to each other, repentance. So Matthew twenty two thirty seven, and I said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. How does this have to do with repentance? Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Well, if we have a divided heart, how do we repent of having a divided heart? Anybody? Say again. You have to admit that you have a divided heart. So Matthew, I'll ask the question again. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37. And he said to him, greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. For if you have a divided heart, how is that command, being obedient to that command, how is that repentance? Right, doing the different thing. Right, I, I quit diversifying my resources and I pull them all in and I <laughs> aim for one thing. That's what repentance looks like from, uh, from not doing that. <laughs> I need you to stop spreading the wealth of your love, and I need you to concentrate it. That, it's, that he is the priority, and then all the other priorities will see fit. I'm all into running. Don't do that. Be all into God, and running will be fine. <laughs> That makes sense. Whatever your thing is that we make too big, right? It's not the thing's problem. It's your problem. It's not ice cream's problem for being amazing, okay? It's our problem for, like, making that the thing that I live my life for. Not that someone would do that. But I can think of worse things. Like, ice cream is really good, you know? Acts 3.19 Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the Father. So repentance uh, is, uh, is doing the different thing. So the biblical word picture, you probably heard this before. If I'm walking down a path that leads to a particular destination... Repentance is turning around. It's not just 
hating the destination I'm walking to. Okay, that's not repentance. And it's not just walking slower towards the bad destination. It's not just stopping and trying to decide, should I keep going? That's not repentance either. You see where I'm going with this? There's only one thing that's repentance. It is turning around the path that you're going down and walking in the correct path. So often we will do some of those things. We will just hate where we're going, but just keep walking there. We'll walk slower. We'll stop and try to decide, should I keep going when we feel bad about it? Or my favorite is that we will turn from that thing and walk down an equally terrible path. That's not repentance either. That's stupidity. (laughs) I'm a stupid person. I have done this. So I need to know that my path that I'm on, that I'm walking towards, leads to destruction, and I need to turn around, and I need to recognize the path that leads to life, and I need to walk that way. That is repentance. Walking the way toward the thing on the path that I'm supposed to. Lord, you are a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, and my path leads to you. Do I know where that path is? Conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment tells me that I need to quit walking that way. By repentance and faith, it's turning around and walking towards, right? I have faith in that thing. I want that. Right? The toddler walk. Mommy. I want that. I love that. They put their hands out so they're directional. Right? We don't do that. Isn't that, wouldn't that be so easy when we could see where people were walking? <laughs> right? If their hands are straight in front of them. It is. The zombie walk. I want your brains. Not anybody, you know, any general brains. I want yours. <clears throat> but this is the idea of repentance. Father, I want your life. Ah. Daddy. Right? The funniest thing is you see like a toddler whose like legs are doing, they're like they're walking them. That's like one of my favorite stages. Like they're just kind of, they don't know how they're walking and the body, the torso is just kind of on a ride, right? Like the legs turn around and the torso is like, you know, whip it around. And then you see like somebody, that toddler is like coming towards something he thinks is what he wants. You ever seen that kind of pivot? And they're like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and they kind of turn out almost kind of like one leg. You know, and come back and then like, oh, there's mommy. You know, and then they run to her. That is repentance. That our legs need to do an about face and see mommy or daddy and run because I know that's what I need. That is both the heart posture, right? Reaching out for help, recognizing I need help, seeing who can help me and going. Right, doing the thing. Return, as I'm crying, right, skins his knees, return that your sins might be away in order that times of refreshing may come, that I can grab up that little one and hug them tight and rub their back and get out the ointment and band-aids and all the things that I need to do. But they have to participate in that with me. They have to come to the person that can help them. Help me pick out the particular character band-aid that is just going to make it all better. Spider-Man, right? Amen.
I'm Phineas and Ferb myself. 1 Peter 3.11. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. 1 Peter 3.11. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. That's it. That's repentance. Proverbs 27.19. This, this is Stephen's favorite verse. 1 Peter 3.11 was the one before. Proverbs 27.19. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. As it relates to repentance, right, I, I've got to see what I look like. Right, I've got to look at and see where I am to know whether I need to repentance. Repentance is a, a lifestyle right, change. It's a one-time thing, but it's also a daily thing. Those that you have walked with Christ in any point. Because we know that I, was, I have been kind of living repentantly, Choosing each day to follow, right, mommy, daddy? But there's lots of days where you're like, nope, I ain't following today. I ain't got time for that. Got to do it every day. We got to look at our heart because it reflects who we are. All right, lastly. We need, uh, we need to understand how to keep our heart. So we need to ask for help. We need to confess. We need to repent. Right? So we need to ask for help all the time. We need to confess all the time. We need to repent all the time. And we need to keep our heart all the time. We talked about yesterday about guarding it, okay? About how it lives, but I've also got to tend it. So there's one thing, it's like me and Renee can kind of link arms around our garden to like guard out the weeds, right? Okay, we're, we're vigilant. We're like, no weeds are coming in this way. But at the same time, I also, so that's, there's things that we can do for that. Y'all draw some cool pictures. But there's also like, well, there's weeds in there that I don't need to get bigger. And so I've got to understand how to keep my heart, right? It, it naturally, up. Oh, it actually kinks. Oh, okay. Oh, it's kinked. Okay. <laughs> How do I keep it? So here's just a couple things and we'll, we'll be done. Psalm 119.9. How can a young man keep his way pure? Right? Purity is no weeds in the garden. Keeping it is no kinks in the chain. Or when it gets in there, we get it out. Purity. How can a man or woman keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. So we need to know how God asks us to keep things and cultivate. That's what we've been doing this weekend, right? Learning, right, how, what my heart is. I need to learn about the plant. I need to learn about the vegetables, what they do, and how to keep them, how to, how to care for them, how to help them grow and be what they're supposed to be. Right? I've got to learn how to be a gardener, not just a guard. So keeping it is cultivating it, weeding it, fertilizing it, right? Making it healthy. If you've ever tried to keep something alive, it's not just, just like minimal work, right? It's like keeping it alive. Do you want to just be alive <laughs> or do you want to be healthy? God doesn't want you to just like be alive, right? He wants to give you life and life abundantly. 
That sounds pretty good. All right, so three verses. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as also you are doing. So this is the encouragement. It's the presupposition that it's happening and then it's a reminder to keep doing it. Are you building one another up? Not just in general, but in the Lord. So we need to know what the Lord wants. 5.11. The next one's in the same chapter. It's 5.14. I urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. That includes yourself. Therefore, uh, I urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. So that means like, hey, stop it. Okay? You need anybody in your life that you can say, stop it, and they know what you mean? There's lots of people in your life that you need to tell them to stop it as nicely as you can. Hey, you know that thing you're doing? Stop that. (laughs) We do this lots with our children. Hey, don't do that. Right? It's real quick and it's to the point. They don't need a lecture. Right? They just need to be told to stop. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. That's a terrible idea. Admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. What does it mean to be faint-hearted? Scared. Anybody in here? Scared sometimes? Encourage the scared. Son, you can, no clowns will jump out at you if you go to the bathroom down the hall by yourself. He's faint hearted. You can do it, buddy. I'll go with you. Help the weak. Climbed up to the top and climbed down of the waterfall yesterday. There's some people that are. It can get up there a little easier than others. No judgment. They just can't do it right now. So help them. They don't just laugh at them. We're like, man, I wish you could be up here. <laughs> I wish you could live this life. I wish you could be unburdened. I wish you could... No, help them. Right? This is what, uh, why we get together. Right? We're not asking you for coffee to bother you. right? Or to have these... Uh, our small groups, right, just to give you, like, make you do something because Jesus likes you to have one more thing to do, is <laughs> there for help. Help the weak and be patient with everybody, including me. Be patient with me. I need to be patient with you. Be patient with everybody in this process as they're learning to do all the things we talked about. And finally, Isaiah 41.6. Each one helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. Isaiah 41.6. Each one helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. I don't say that enough. 
It's not get strong, it's be strong. What's the difference? If we have the Holy Spirit, <laughs> we have God with us, right? It's there. It's just do it. So often he tells the people, right? He says, plow up your fallow ground. It's not something that he does for them. He tells them to do it. This is the same version of be strong. Right? Allow stuff to be planted in there. You ever know what fallow ground is? You ever like just the ground is just so packed hard that you got to get in there with like a yard rake and like break it up so that something can be can grow there again. Be strong. Strengthen your uh, weak knees. What's the? I forget this verse. You're, you usually remember this one, right? I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot. Strengthen your feeble knees and your weak ankles. <laughs> right, just again, commanding us to be strong. You can do it. I don't want to go in the haunted house. <laughs> Rob, you can do it. Be strong. But it's scary. <laughs> be strong. This is going to be weird, and you might need to cover your mouth if you have like kitten breath. Okay, but um, I want you to turn to a, a person next to you and just tell them, look them in the eye if you can stomach it. And in the softest, kindest voice you can, tell them to be strong. <laughs> Kitten breath. You ever heard that? It's just kind of like, it's just a little, it's a little funky. You ever like a cat? Because it's not much breath, but when they get up on you, it's like, oh, it's awful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Be strong. <laughs> all right so um so as we're finishing up here so we'll come and uh close this out uh with some music uh we'll have we're going to announce uh after that we'll announce the winners and we'll give away a little uh prize um Right after that, shh, that'll be quick. That'll be quick. And we need you to um, not uh, be too unruly. I'm going to tell you to stop it. Like, don't be mean to each other whenever we announce the winner. Uh, and then we will um, take pictures for an inordinate amount of time. And then uh, we'll pack up and we'll go. Um, anything I'm missing in any of that? Okay. All right. So, uh, so here, here's the last thing, the last takeaway. Uh, from uh, just my time with you. All the things uh, that we talked about, um, I, I, I'm going to pray, be praying for you that, uh, that you're going to start processing this, not just on the bus ride home, but like when you get in your regular lives that all are already completely full. Like your lives are completely full. When you hit Harbison, it'll kick in that I've got all kinds of stuff to do if it hasn't already. Right. And your habits and you're just uh, uh, you just kind of uh, go into whatever your life looks like. It's going to be hard, hard, hard to make changes. Like real hard. And so the only uh, thing you have outside of God, which is plenty, is is this community and other folks in this community that haven't been that weren't able to be with us this weekend. You need to fight for each other in this. 
you need to talk about this. You need to keep going over like, it's like, okay, I got it. I think some of this makes sense. Like we need to keep having this conversation, right? Because we're not good at it. And so when we're not good at something, like we need lots of help to figure out how to do it. And so I want, I want you to be strong in that also. Let me close this in prayer. Father, to cultivate, cultivate our heart. Father, to care for them. We get muddy. We have our own personal uh, pig pen that we live in. And Father, if we feel guilty about coming to you and coming to others because of the stuff just seems so repetitive, right? The more we do it, just the worse we feel. Gosh, I've already confessed the same, three, the same thing three times. What does he say? How many times should we forgive? 70 times 7. That's a lot. If that's an exact number. <laughs> Father, remind me of that. That there is no expiration date. I've got a fair bracelet on. I can ride and ask forgiveness as many times as I want to. As many times as I need to repent, Father, you are there to receive me and to pray for me and to encourage me to be strong again. Lord, will we do that for each other? Lord, as we've learned about our heart, Lord, and we want to guard them, Father, we also need to care for them. And so it takes all of us, it takes the whole body of Christ both to encourage and to guard. Would we do that for each other? Would we care enough? Father, that is your heart. Father, give us your heart. As we lift up and praise and reflect, Father, strengthen us to do the things that we need to do. Strengthen one another to love one another enough to help them do that. We love you. We love you. We love you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Christ's name, amen.